Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Improverbial. Do you want to improvise with us? You can yes and The Improverbial podcast and be a sponsor. Please reach out to theimproverbial at gmail.com. Yeah. Hello and welcome to The Improverbial, a podcast where we unearth obscure sayings and phrases from around the world, invent absurd new proverbs, and talk about things mundane, spurious, irrelevant, and profound. I am the capitalist, Pete Kirkwood. And I'm Lisa Thawbett, the Tilt Thinker. I've been doing and coaching improv for many years. Pete and I have been doing improv together for some of those years. This podcast is a mashup of Pete's interest in the science of well-being, my background in education and human development, our shared fascination with the world's idiomatic weirdness, and our superpowers in improv comedy. We are the Improv Verbializers. Woohoo! Yeah! Well, okay. Hello and good day. Today we are going to talk about a, um, a venerable proverb that most of us will be familiar with, and it is to call a spade a spade. Now, um, this proverb means to speak plainly and forthrightly or to tell it like it is. But it's a little, this one has some, um, some we have to be a little sensitive around this one. We should, I, I, like from what I've read, it's evolved in it its has, meaning, very much right? so. Yeah, um, and it's had plenty of time to do that. I found this great article um, um, by Lakshmi Gandhi of NPR. um, And uh, she says that the origins of this phrase trace all the way back to the ancient Greek. And uh, the ancient Greeks, I don't know where they got it from, but the ancient Greeks used to say to call a fig a fig and a trough a trough. Okay, This was likely a vulgar phrase with um, figs and troughs corresponding to, well, you know, the, 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 the part, the parts of men and women. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous about speaking plainly and forthrightly right now. Um, <laughs> you need to call a spade a spade, Pete. <laughs> yes. Um, so anyway, uh, Erasmus, the fa- the famous Erasmus took this phrase from Greek to Latin and changed the bits as well. Um, to call a spade and change it to, to call a spade a spade. Um, at least, uh, that was, that was in Latin. And then uh, someone named Nicholas Udall translated Erasmus into English in 1542. And since then it's been used by authors ranging from Charles Dickens, Oscar Wilde, Somerset Mom, to uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, et cetera. So, so it's, been, it's been around for hundreds of years. And, and we don't know widely if this, used. And we don't know if the spade is the penis or the vagina. We're not oh. sure. <laughs> oh, right, the spade part. Yeah, because it does have some characteristics of, of each. Of both. Yeah, um, that, that, what's, that's why it's a brilliant, it replaced fig and trough into just one so genitalia. It's like kind of this like merging of all genitalia. Yeah, it's kind of like a pansexual that yes. genitalia. Um, yeah. So first of all, just to say one thing, like as you and I are alluding to here, um, this is a, a shovel, a spade, like a shovel, not like the a suit, garden tool, not like the suit right. and cards, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, in yeah. fact, one of the variants on this phrase in English was um, to call a spade a bloody shovel, okay. which I really like. I think that's kind of cool. Cause it's like, just come right out and say, make it clear. Right. Um, <clears throat> the problem is um, around the 1920s, um, sort of jazz era, Harlem, New York, um, this phrase, uh, and seemingly independent of the expression to call a spade a spade, the word spade started to evolve into like a code word meaning a black person. Okay. Um, yeah. And so 
we had this phrase that was once meant to do of something which was virtuous, right? To speak plainly. And mm -hmm. now it's ironically been transformed possibly into kind of a veiled speech and potentially offensive racial slur. So really interesting. And I wasn't, I was not aware of that, but I'm the, but that is out there, right? That is, I, and I also saw that and looked that up, that the, the suggestion that calling a spade a spade should perhaps be retired as a phrase. Well, you know, in this podcast, we typically are trying to generate new, uh, new <laughs> yes, uh, phrases exactly. and sayings and, pro and yeah. proverbs. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we'll, let's do, we'll discuss that a little bit more to see if we, we're if, if we should be retiring when really our, our goal is to proliferate, proliferate mm -hmm. more and more idioms. Absolutely. Well, look, let's get to that. But for, first of all, I was thinking about this. Um, you know, the idea of um, calling a spade a bloody shovel is uh, is an exhortation to plain speech and truth telling. Um, so I was like, well, is it is it like is it actually always better to tell the truth? And um, so I, as usual, as contrarian that I am, I did a little digging on that. And apparently Maurice Schweitzer of the University of Pennsylvania and Emma Levine of the University of Chicago, uh, as quoted in Time Magazine, lay out at least five scenarios in which you probably should lie. Okay. Where it's probably a good idea. It's best interest of everyone. Possibly. Yeah. Can you think of, can you think of some? Um, well, like when you, if somebody asks how they look. Maybe like these white lies, right? Mm -hmm. That's the time, right? So, For relationships. So how do I look is a great one. But usually like they, what they were saying is if there's no time to change, if I say, how do I look when I'm walking on stage? Yes. There's no upside to telling me uh, you look like hell. You look great, Pete. Exactly. <laughs> the second one would be, uh, the first one was when you have someone else's best interest at heart. Like, you're totally qualified for this interview. Like if right before you go into the, you want to pump them up right? so they'll do well. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Uh -huh. Um, the second one was so like, if there's no time to change, which we just, okay, like talking that. About. Yep. a third one they recommend is, um, to soften criticism so that it'll be more constructive. And you do this for me in improv. Okay. Um, <clears throat> like I soften oh, everyone criticism. struggles when they're just starting off, even if like, this is actually a super easy task and nobody ever has a hard time with it. Um, you're like, oh, Pete, no, Pete, you were totally funny. It was fine. We all you do were, that, Pete. Yeah. I have done that. Yeah. And right. in my mind, I'm like, I I've done that. But, actually, but uh, we all do that. <laughs> but I would, if you would like a little bit of feedback, on that, can, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> right before a special occasion. Uh, oh, there's layoffs at your firm, but you definitely, right before your honeymoon, as you're going out, that you're getting on the plane, we're not, I'm sure you won't be one you're of gonna the You're going to be fine. Go enjoy off. yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and then another one, which is a little bit more, more subtle, was if you're not very close to the person, and you are trying to lay the foundation for a relationship. I know this is kind of weird to like build, start it on, uh, but uh, on what they truths. said in competitive relationships or first interactions, honesty is a lot more precarious and can damage relationships and reduce trust. So I don't know if they would advocate dishonesty per se, but maybe being a little softer with the truth at the, when you're first yeah, starting Yeah, and off. also just softer. I think that's just softer in your, um, so for example, if you and I are brand new friends and we were meeting and you were late, Brand new friends, I'd be like, oh my gosh, it's totally fine. I hope everything's right. okay. But exactly. if, we, if we were um, established in your life, I'd be like, again, Pete? Dude, come on. Come on. Yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm all like, well, yeah, I had a little, lot of work to do. I was doing a lot of Candy Crush. It was really busy. I had a lot. Had a lot a, of Candy Crush. Yeah. yeah. You know, I haven't. You might have wanted to lie about that because yeah, we well, have a new friendship, yeah, Pete. Yeah. It wasn't Candy Crush. It was like. It was porn. It was porn. <laughs> <laughs> It was important. I had an important meeting and I'm doing air quotes right now. Oh, speaking of air quotes, we invented a new thing. Remember? 
We did. This is going to be hard to express. It's hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was giving a list and it was like one and one and two and three and four. And, (laughs) and when I got to three, I did an air quote with my three fingers, my three fingers air quotes versus just the two. So then we started, what if you had air quotes with with five, five, and then it looks. And then like our friend you, Andy was like, "That makes me uncomfortable when you do air quotes." It looks like we're five. kind of gr- being Gripping. grabby, <laughs> being grabby in the front there. Anyway, exactly. but I was always thinking that you should do quotes like you do, like the left fingers, and then you say the thing, and then do the right fingers, so that you can kind of say where you're starting and finishing your quote versus doing them all at the same like, time. Because like, then how do you know which is the beginning and the end of the quote? I know. And you're just quoting now. I don't know what you're quoting anymore. I don't know Pete. which part. And you didn't give Or should we just retire doing air quotes altogether? Pete? Is that a way is doing air quotes? Is that a way to say, this isn't me really saying this. Somebody else might say. Somebody else might say, say air quote. <laughs> right. No. <clears throat> well, you know, when it, so for per, personally, when it comes to truth telling, I, it, it occurs to me that, that, that telling lies requires a good memory. Yeah. Cause you have to remember who you said what to and who you haven't said what to and who knows what and all that. So I'm like my, I have a, I have a complete crap memory. So I just, my policy is like basically going to tell the truth all the time because I, I, I can't remember who I told what to, you know, it'd just be a terrible mess. And not that it, so it's, it's, so you can remain looking good versus that you wouldn't want to deceive someone, Pete. Is that what you're saying your motivation is? I don't and follow. then it's just a better, it's just a better thing in the world not to deceive people versus I would look crappy later on. Totally. So I, I would totally lie. <laughs> I would tell you, I would get all kinds of, you know, if I had a good ones. memory, Lisa, oh, I'd be yeah, lying be my ass freaking off. Stoppable. <laughs> um, I could just lie and get away with it. Um, so, you know, so now let's get back to this question that yeah, I have about like, yeah. um, so if a, a word or phrase can be, can be perceived as like offensive to some, to mm-hmm. someone, um, I'm interested in your thoughts. So like, does that, should we jettison that? Mm-hmm. And if so, like, what's the threshold? Mm-hmm. Does it have to offend a whole class of people mm-hmm. or is it, what if it just offends a few people mm-hmm. or like, is it, is avoiding all offense the goal, or especially when it's like in not even correct, like a, like we're sure. talking about a shovel. Sure. Um, correct. Technically, like in terms of the actual definition, I'm air quoting. Technically correct. Like I understand that that has a these potentially racial connotations, and mm-hmm. that's something we have to yep. really Pause. dig up and yep. figure out and yep. fix. Yeah. I don't know. Well, what you know, think? I I don't have the answer, but I do think like just education and dismissing ignorance helps us to get there closer. So for example, you know, when I grew up as like, uh, you know, as kids, we would be like, Oh, you know, you're jipping me, right? Like you're cheating me. And that is, I didn't know for many years until as an adult that that is a kind of, that's from, um, gypsies and the Romas. When you say you're jipping someone saying this Roma, uh, is you're gypsying me. You're gypsying me. So oh, I no longer I, use it. I just it. learned that. Yeah. I, I never, I don't say you're gypping me because I can't, my brain goes straight to gypsies and romas. You, I mean, are there, I mean, <laughs> when was the last time you interacted with the gypsy or a roma? Well, the I romas, mean, yeah, no, if, in Europe, you do, the, you oh, do yeah, see so a lot do, of roma populations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very yeah. cosmopolitan. No, but so, so I no longer say it because yeah. that's, that's what it brings my mind to. Um, and so, yes, should now we say no longer use it in general? I don't know. I don't think we can make a rule, but if people know it and they choose not to, I think that's a good thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, I just, the, the thing that I, that we weigh against is like, then there's this whole language 
everything you talk about is a potential minefield because we, like you weren't aware, you know, and is that, is it your duty to make yourself aware of all potentially offensive connotations of everything you say? No, but once I do know, I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't turn a blind eye. But I I thought one thing that just came to mind as you were talking was like, do we start to have a language or we probably already have a language um, of classism? Like, Oh, they just use the word gyps. Therefore they are, don't uh, like know about this of- elitism in language. They don't <laughs> know this. Um, I don't think this person's now um, prejudiced against gypsies because they probably just don't know it, but oh, aren't they so ignorant that they don't? I, I don't know. I mean, but I, I, I'm sure mm. that already exists mm. in some things. Mm. We are like in our business, if I'm having a meeting with somebody, do they know the lingo? Don't they know the lingo? Oh, they're still using an old archaic term. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't use the word, uh, Teaming, we now use the word of cohorting or whatever. Cohorting, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm interested in if there's any thoughts from our re- listener, listeners about that because I'd like some guidance because words are really important to me and the ability to express yourself freely is really important to me. But also, social justice is really important to me, and not uh, you know, and not causing undue offense is is important social value. So, how do we navigate that? How do we weigh that? And how? What are the considerations on both sides of it? How, yeah. I I was going to just this evolution of uh, terms. Uh, I saw some speaker and they were talking about, they were, they were Norwegian and they were talking about um, there, there was an old building for, um, it was when, and we have this here in Traverse City, the commons where it was a former place for, um, uh, where there's people who had mental um, yeah, it was like an institution for people who have mental illness. At mental illness, exactly. And so in Norway, they had this old building and on it, it said um, something like home for the insane, something like that. And they're like, we need to update that. So they, when they take that sign down. I'll take it. I want it <laughs> yeah. on my house. Well, they did take the sign down. And what did they find behind it? I'm um, home for the home for lunatics was what was behind it. <laughs> That's even better. I mean, for my house, it is. Exactly. Oh God. So lunatics is- was deemed not proper. So they did the insane. And now we've got a new Lisa, word like a total for this. Artifact. That's perfect. That embodies yeah. what we're talking about. This, exactly. Exactly. So now what's the new word for people who have mental illness, right? Right. And then that, home for some- the mentally ill. But even that is seems kind of, categorizing yeah, like the ableism like the, home the kind of for this. people that struggle with mental illness like <laughs> I ah, know what you it know, is it's like softer yeah ah, yeah so this is coming and so i think one of the things is is that is we know the language just does continue to evolve so we can't stop it that the new words yeah. will need to be replaced words that now have these have connotations I guess we just roll with it because like many there have been many words that, uh that are attempts to d- describe people of color that have been each one has maybe some there are plenty that are designed to offend for sure, Absolutely. but there have been plenty that have been kind of implemented as in an attempt to be more enlightened about how we refer to, you know, the, to people of color. And now we say people of color, at least as far as I know, until I tell mm-hmm. the, the culture tells me that I needed to, to mm-hmm. change to that, adjust, but, um, yeah. you know, that's a replacement for other words that have gone before that were attempts to be as, you know, uh, sensitive, as sensitive and as possible. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, anyway, like to get back to our current phrase, although I don't think we're going to resolve it, but I really appreciate your thoughts on that. Um, as far as calling a spade a spade, I propose that we dump it and avoid the potential for offense. And mm-hmm. I propose that instead we do a modern take on the original Greek. All right. To remind, they used to say to, uh, to call a fig a fig and a trough a trough. And to remind that that, that was a double entendre. I would propose in the spirit of straight, straight talk <laughs> yes. that we get rid of the double entendre. And I suggest that the new expression should be 
to call a fig a penis and a trough a vagina. Yeah, Pete, I love it. Pete, it's time for us to turn to our Proverbatron, this gorgeous machine that is generously sponsored by the Boardman Review. And those folks who don't know about the Boardman Review, you should. This is a beautiful publication. It comes out quarterly. It is a journal that uh, spotlights um, uh, the creative arts here in Northern Michigan. And it's beautiful to look at and to read and just to um, kind of get into the minds and spirits of a lot of creative people. Mm-hmm. And they are so kind. I don't even know why they let us be a part of their uh, beautiful uh, spiritual space because we're we're hacks to be polite. Uh, we're not intellectuals like them, those beautiful minds. Uh, but you know what? I think we're kind of pulling it off so far, Pete. Well, yeah. Imposter syndrome be damned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so here we have this beautiful machine and I do also want to point out that this next part is completely made up. Uh, everything we're about to do is improvised. Hence the word of the improv. It's hogwash. To do. So I'm going to turn on this hogwash machine here and we're going to spit out two words which we are going to spin into a brand new proverb uh, that we will dissect and make up on the spot um here we go here is the first word spitting out bucket the first word is bucket all right i'm going to turn the crank on this thing and crank out a word of my own and see what comes up Cadaver. 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 Oh my God, that's awesome because you just said that we were going to dissect this phrase. We are going to dissect <laughs> it and we've got a cadaver. Awesome. I love it. Well, you know, what's cool thing about this um, this particular saying is it's always like an exclamation. It's one that you, people yell, right? Yeah. Right? Oh, you know, oh you, completely. Like, hey, yeah. keep your cadaver in a bucket. Hey man, keep that cadaver in your bucket, right? That is true. People yell this and I think people who are not native English speakers would think, why does this town have so many cadavers? I mean, it's that common, but of course it's not a literal cadaver that we're no, talking about. It's actually a misapprehension. <clears throat> That's the thing. It's like, mm-hmm. because it's always, it's always yelled. It's something that people holler out when they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, uh, Hey, keep a cadaver in a bucket, you know, get, a, get that, keep your cadaver in your bucket or, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> everybody <clears throat> knows that it seems to be made up of the the words cadaver and bucket, but it, it's actually, that's not what it originally even said. No, no, it was, um, it was kind of a slip of the tongue, right? Yeah. So cadaver was an emagulation of some other words. Well, first people should know a cadaver is a dead body. I don't, I mean, I want to make sure that. Yeah. You, cadaver, pander, if you hear like, that, you think in a dead body. That's, right? what it, that's what it literally, that's what it means in English right, is a dead body, right? So, exactly. Right, yeah. So, um, I mean, we can kind of dissect this. So first of all, the daver part of the word um, is was from diver, right? The bucket part is from, uh, an, is actually a, a proper name. It's it's Bousquet. Mm-hmm, yeah. It was a French, it, it's a, it's an old French Canadian name. Yeah, the Bousquet, so, yeah, which yeah. is related to, um, we'll get into this, but it's related yeah. to risque, but we'll get into that. Well, that was another misapprehension because like people, mm-hmm. because it's with these weird French spellings and stuff like yeah. that, it, the words sound the same, but they're spelled different. Yeah, so yeah. So people mishear it, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, let's take this out to the, the high seas. Uh, and there is a, um, out there searching for treasure. Yep. Um, now this captain, captain Bousquet, captain Bousquet was at the helm and looking for treasure. And they had 
divers on the boat that would go down. And this was when there wasn't- This was up in Lake Superior. Lake Superior, very cold, mm -hmm. um, but not the modern day equipment. So they had, instead of um, wetsuits and- the, 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 was it neo neoprene, neoprene yeah, they had and all seal the skins, they had they actual like seal, wrap themselves in, they had seal skins that they would use. So they'd, that was a whole big process, but they had the seal skins that they would um, no, and they sew for, into their body, that fat underneath it. Right. And then sew the seal skins on, so, sew the seal skins on and then down, down those divers would go. Yeah. And they used to have like a pipe that they were breathe through because they didn't even have yeah. yeah. Well, it so. was, it was walrus tusk that they would um, solder together with, um, with the walrus fat that would seal it. And these were, these Heavy would go and up. Long. And that's why, I mean, it's a big reason why walruses are had, had near to extinction because of all oh, the gosh. need for the walrus tusk um, pipes that these divers, the divers are using in order to get the treasure in From Lake all the Superior. Shipping in Lake Superior, yeah, all this, and they were shipping mink coats and and well, things that gold. people needed in the North, right? They needed mink coats because they're very cold up mm-hmm. there. Yep. Uh, they need a lot of well blubber for the chapstick because totally. your lips yep. get chapped, the yep. nose, lips around south. the nose, like mm-hmm. the nasal passage got chapped. All those chapped. really valuable things that would sink to the bottom. They'd have mink, mink coats and, and whale fat chapsticks and Yeah, well, all see, kinds things of, to keep um, their feet and warm. And gold. What's that? Silver and gold. And the silver and gold, but that didn't keep them warm in the Mainly winter. ballast to kind of help the boats from... from Kept the boats from sinking, but yeah. yeah. So you were saying this yeah. guy, Captain Bousquet. Yeah. So there he is. So he's sending these divers down yeah. and there was one in particular, his name was Cadro. Cadro, the diver, Cadro, the diver, yeah. Cadro. Cad. Um, they called him Cad. They call him Cad. And he was French Canadian, of course. Yeah. Um, and so he was his, the, the expert diver. The, and he was also, as, uh, truth be told, a bit of a daredevil and a bit risky. He was. You take. He and would so take you'd hear the, 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 it was a little bit a divide on the boat because you had the American sailors and you had the Canadian sailors and often they were at odds. Mm-hmm. And so you'd have the Americans like, you know, trying to speak their French and the, mm-hmm. yeah, r- risky, risque, 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 right? right? So they just, they slurred it all. They just couldn't all pronounce, it, pronounce that French properly. Yeah. So Cadro, the diver or Cad, the Cad diver. Do you want to give a little bit of his background? Oh, what well, made him into I such know, a daredevil? Yeah. I mean, that's a, like, that's a whole other podcast, right. but absolutely. He, well, he was, was a playboy. Oh, he was a playboy. Mm-hmm. I mean, ever since he was born, he was raised by um, a herd. I don't know if that's right. A, a herd of seals, which would made him so, so expert at diving. Yeah. And um, we don't, we don't know how, and he doesn't know how, but somehow as an infant, he was uh, left with a herd yeah. of seals and he was raised by He's these really seals. good. He could withstand the cold. He was very sleek mm-hmm. and, um, and he could swim and hold his breath really for a long time. But see that made him, he was just very attractive and people oh, and just yeah. charismatic on, really the, on the streets of, uh, yep. of Montreal. He was really and the toast he could, of the he town. Could hold a um, ball on his nose. So like he was really popular mm-hmm. at pubs. He had all these, um, he, he had a lot of admirers and he used to, um, you know, go around this, those, the streets and people would just wa- want to fall behind him. And yeah, just, he, he was kind of a celebrity in his own right. Yeah. And Cadre he was, was good. Like he could kind of, kind of rear up and like, um, he would do this funny thing where he would like hold his arms out and clap like his hands. Super loud. They said it was like definitely loud. And so you'd go to the jazz clubs during the, you know, it's kind of the era of gypsy jazz. Oh, I don't know if I can say that, but like, anyway, yes. 
<laughs> it is called Gypsy Death. It did. So yeah, and so he would keep time. And, yeah, you know. and he was really loud, like the big bark you think of of seals. He had it down pat. Somehow I just adopted and that, all And that these is the holdover why whenever you say this proverb, it is yelled. That's right, exactly. Because he was known for his super loud voice. Yeah, he yeah. could. Yeah. yeah, so the bark of a seal was- uh, this cad diver. So down, down he back goes to the diving, ba- back yeah. to the, so down he goes, down he goes to bring up all these really valuable things for people in the yeah. North. And that's another reason why he was really popular. Cause he always had plenty of like lip balm. He always, if you needed coats, it, Yeah. Not to mention silver and gold. Yeah. He had that yeah. too in his pocket, but yeah. And his captain Biscay was, he was a favorite of captain Biscay cause he'd pull up, he'd bring up so much. Yeah. Booty. And that would cause so a lot booty. of, uh, that would cause a lot of riff uh, again, besides the American Canadian divide. Mm-hmm. Uh, captain Biscay was not smart in his leadership in the sense he had his favorites mm-hmm. and, and had certainly was. And the Americans, they would get so resentful because anytime there was a great, um, you know, the captain felt that there was a real good haul down there in this particular mm-hmm. wreck that they might find on Lake Superior. Yeah. Who, who, which diver would he send down? He'd send down the cat every time. Every time. Every time. Cat so down he goes. And um, there was always a signal if he, you're in trouble, any diver, there was a signal. Um, now, cat had a special signal because of his loud bark. Mm-hmm. He was able to send up specific bubbles yeah. up to the surface. So p- somebody was set there to to watch if these bubbles would came up. And he was getting, they were seeing that certain bubble um code that was yeah. coming up to the surface. They yep. knew CAD was in trouble down there. Yep. CAD's in trouble. And yeah. And so they would, they, they, they would scream out like they heard the, they would, they heard captain, uh, the crew of captain Biscay calling to the captain that CAD, yeah. CAD was in trouble. And what did they say? They'd say Cadaver Biscay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. C- or Cadro. Yeah. Cadro diver Bousquet yes. was what they would yell to the captain mm-hmm. when, when Cadro was in, mm-hmm. would get in trouble. Yeah. So in this particular time, um, they knew they needed to do a rescue. Now the Americans weren't so fast. To, and they didn't even help. understand. They were like, what is it? What are you all yelling? Cadro diver Bousquet. Cadaver Bousquet. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And they're hearing cadaver and they're not. And now you're here where we're getting at here. Yeah. Yeah. This phrase, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, keep that, keep that cadaver in a bucket is what they were hearing. And so this, this one American, his name, his name is, um, Stephen. Stephen Boisson. he's a French sounding name, but he's an American. He's American through and through. Through and through. Um, he thought that a bucket needed to be sent. Oh, some, somehow the bucket's going to save Cad down there. Mm -hmm. Um, he didn't want to do it, but cause he really was a bit of a rival. Um, but off he went to fetch this bucket. Mm-hmm. Threw it in there, but what do buckets do? If you just throw it in the water, yeah, they float. They float. It's useless. I mean, he did. He did have. He had a rope yeah. tied to the handle, right? And that's yeah. that, that's the thing. That's like why this. When do you yell this phrase? Right, you yell this phrase when someone's being an idiot and yeah. doing something that is like totally unhelpful to solving the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, the other day when I just yelled it, I was in the parking lot. Yeah, and um, somebody had parked really close to me. I couldn't get out my door. You yeah. know, my door. So, so I, I just cracked it open. I'm like, keep that cadaver in a bucket, like you, you idiot. Yeah, you're just you parked parking so me close in. To you're me. not helping right. anybody right there. Yeah. So Stephen. Boissonneau, um, yeah. Boissonneau. He uh-huh. throws the bucket in there. Um, he did think to tie a rope to it. The bucket floats. Um, now, I mean, I don't know if kind of a bummer of the story is uh, yeah, Cad's still end. down yeah, there with was, all that treasure. And that was the end of Cadro. Yeah, he and he didn't get saved by that bucket. He did not. Because it was a stupid move. Yep. And it was a misinterpretation. Um, now, with that said, we have 
so many um, people still today out there in Lake Superior looking for all that booty and looking for Cad's remains. It's legendary what's down there. They still call, they call it Cad's remains. It's actually the, Cad, the booty Cad's that they're remains, looking yeah. for. They're looking but, for the cadaver of Cad's yeah. remains. So, but you know, let's hope they do it right because we wouldn't want them to keep that cadaver in a bucket. Don't keep that cadaver in a bucket. <laughs>